Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, your servant, I come before you to share your word. Father, speak through me, bless through me, and transform life through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today what I'm going to do is that I'm going to ask all of you not to be looking at your phones because I can't trust that you are not checking scores, score lines. Because today there's a big um, match and I, I don't see some faces here. I know why they are not here. I'm very surprised that Judah is here. Of course, his team is playing Europa. And so he, this is not of interest to him. But the maximum productivity series, um, I'm beginning by, by discussing this evening um, productivity lessons from the parables of Jesus. One of the key things I've studied in the Bible and that has a very profound impact on my life has been the parables of Jesus. I want to, I encourage all of you, you see, to spend more time desiring God's word and studying God's word because it will transform your life. It will, it will change your life. And I know that this may, as we study and we go deeper, deeper into God's word, this, the word of God is going to transform your life. If I'm speaking to you, can I hear your loudest amen? amen. So, so, productivity lessons from the parables of Jesus. Um, we are looking tonight on the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. So, our introductory scripture is Matthew 13, the verse 31 and 32. Um, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the bears come and perch in its branches. It's really going to be a blessing to you and I know that you, you, you're going to enjoy this. So, I will not show you my sermon because of that thing there. Oh, we are showing. Okay. Okay, because sometimes I'll get down and I'll need to look at it. Now, there is always something big hidden in a small thing. And Jesus was teaching that. That the mustard seed was very, very small. But it was 0 0.003 or 0 0.006 inches. A very, very small seed. And at the time of Jesus, it was the smallest seed. And yet Jesus said, when you take that seed and you plant that seed, that small seed, that is like 0, 0 0.9 or 6 or 12 inches or, or, or 9 or 6 inches, when you take that seed and you plant it, a 20-feet tree can come out of that seed. So can you imagine? Look at look at the look at the picture. Can you can you go back to to um, or the next um, this thing? I want to show them something. Not this one. So I've gone ahead of you. You are way behind me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we, we had a bit of breakdown on the screen. They are still facing it. That's why you see this thing here. But but look at the master seed, a very small seed, and look at what comes out of it. So actually, this tree existed in this seed. So you take that small seed, that small seed, which is just 0, 0.00 something inches, and inside is, is a 20 feet tree. Can, can you imagine it? 
Can you imagine it? And that's how it is. Your ability and capacity to identify small things, big things in small things, holds the key to your success in life. Okay? It holds the key to your success in life. And that is what this series is about. This series is to help you identify big things from small things. Job 8 verse 7 says, Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. So do not despise small beginnings. Well, if we do, you are going to regret. Now, how do you take a seed and transform it into a tree? I'm, I'm going to look at a few principles, how you can do that. How you can do that. How you can take a seed and transform it into a tree and move it from a tree into a whole forest. It is possible. You can make it happen because that's the way God designed you. God designed you to be productive. God designed you to be bigger than who you are today. There is always enough room to improve. There is always enough room to improve. If you feel limited and you don't feel like you have opportunities to improve, I have some keys for you. I have some keys that can help you improve your life every single day. Don't look at the small seed you have in your hands today. Look beyond that seed and see that potential. That you can be bigger, you can be bolder, you can be better than who you are today. Believe it and it will work for you. But believing it alone is not enough. You must take action. Faith without works is dead. So whatever you believe, you must act on it. On the 22nd of this month, the Men's Fellowship will be hosting um, a prayer breakfast here. And I've asked them to focus on, on rising from the ashes. The stories of people that built businesses out of nothing. And it is to show you that it does not matter where you are, who you are today, where you are being, the situation you have found yourself in, you can still be better, you can still recover, you can still be great. Now, the master seed, as small as it is, can grow to become a big tree because that is the DNA implanted in the master seed. Your DNA, you are just like the master seed. You were not created to grow down. You were created to grow up. Are you here with me? And that is the way God designed you. And I believe that tonight, I'll be able to bring you to that level to believe and live here with a strong conviction in your heart that you can be better, you can be greater, and you can be stronger. Amen. Are you here with me? So here are a few principles that I want to share with you tonight. Number one, number one. And you know I like to use P's and other things. So I think there are seven P's that I'm going to share with you. Number one is person. 
person, person. The growth of, of a seed is determined by the person who planted it. The growth of a seed is determined by the person who planted it. Luke chapter 8 verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So even though the master seed has the potential of growing to become a tree, it has to, somebody has to plant it. Now, imagine this. Your life is a master seed. In your hands. You can either plant it yourself or give it to somebody who is more experienced than you to plant it for you. So a typical example is my life. When I left Bible school, I had a choice to start my own church or I had a choice to work for someone else. It was my life. I had to make that decision myself. When I looked at myself as a 22-year-old man, I didn't see myself as an expert farmer who can take my life as a seed and plant it and water it and nurture it for it to grow. So what did I do? I handed over my life to another pastor who was more experienced, who was more matured, and who had a history of planting successful seeds and growing them. So my spiritual father took me on as his youth pastor. But the thing about somebody else planting you is the control you lose, the independence that you lose. If you are not humble, you will, you will find it difficult at a point in your life to hand over your life as a seed for someone else to plant it. I have seen a lot of ignorant young men who feel that if I hand my, my life over to someone else, the person will control my life. If we see instructions, if we see order, if we see regulation as control, it's a sign that you are not matured enough. It's a sign you are either arrogant or ignorant. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was to hand my life, my, hand my life over as a seed to the hands of my spiritual father. Now, the most difficult thing about handing your, your life over as a seed to someone else is when you are planted and covered by the sand and suddenly there is darkness, no light, nothing. And then you are there, you are hidden there and you are down there and you don't see anything and someone else puts you there. You have a choice. You can either think that you have been buried or you have been planted. There are many people, when you plant them, they feel you have buried them. And so they are not graceful for the process you are taking them through because they are not maturing. They have not matured. They think you have buried them and you are depriving them of opportunities. 
You are depriving them of the sunshine. You are depriving them of exposure. But as I go on, I will show you that until a grain falls down and dies, it will never realize its potential. Are you here? So I have seen a lot of young people a lot of young people at the beginning of their life is where they mess up. It's where they mess up. Because if you miss your season of planting, you will have killed your harvest in the future. And you have to be matured and bold to identify an expert farmer who can take your life and plant you and cover you, and nobody sees you. You are in the dirt, and nobody sees you. You will either see this planting as punishment or as the nurturing of your potential. The reason why a lot of people, a lot of pastors have become bitter against their senior pastors was because when they were planted, they thought they had been buried. When their potentials were being nurtured, they thought that they were being punished. That is where you lose it. I am grateful for my attitude towards authority over my life. When I was planted by my senior pastor, being down there, nobody seeing you, you know your potential, but you are down there and you feel nobody sees you. But you don't know that. What you don't know is that until you go down there, you will not realize your potentials. You will not realize your potentials. I have never seen anything up that did not take off from the ground. Are you here? You have to take off. You have to gather the momentum from the ground to be able to get to the top. It is you handing yourself over to someone else to plant you. Sometimes you feel you are being used. Especially when you start germinating and you start bearing some fruit and the person who planted you start benefiting from your fruit you become a bit arrogant. And you think, you see, anybody who you plant, who thinks that he's sacrificing for you, when you start hearing your employees, when you start hearing people who did, came to you with no experience, but you planted them, nurtured them, watered them, and then when they start bearing fruit, and you start benefiting from the fruit, and they start counting their cost, and they start saying we are sacrificing. When you hear those things, be very careful. Be very careful. When you start entertaining that thought, be very careful. I knew from the Bible school, I knew my potential. I knew that I will become what I have become. I believed I have a huge potential. I was very ambitious. I was very hungry to become successful. But I knew that I was a seed and I needed an expert farmer 
to plant me. To plant me. Some of my friends left Bible school, started churches on themselves. But you see, no matter how good a seed you have, if you are not a good farmer, you can mess up that seed. You can mess up that seed. And if you are a seed and you are put down there and you don't keep quiet and you don't wait for the watering and you don't wait for the watering and you start talking, I am here, I'm here, I'm suffering, I'm here, someone will take you out and say, let me replant you somewhere else. But don't forget, once you are taken out and replanted, you have to die again. The same process will start. There are even some seeds. Once you are planted once and you are taken out, you can't grow again. The period of you being a seed in the hands of someone is so crucial, so important. The humility, the patience, the respect, the honor, the wisdom to being there, being nurtured, and being taken through is so crucial to your success that please don't miss that. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. And sometimes, eh, sometimes, when you start germinating, please don't think it is finished. Your roots have not yet gained grounds. Even sometimes, when you, there are some trees, the first fruit they bear, you can't even eat it. You can't do anything with it. You have to just cut it off and throw it away and wait for the second fruit. So bearing fruit does not mean you have matured. It's a process. It requires patience. So you are a seed, remember, that somebody, a person has to plant you. It is either yourself or someone else. But you have to measure yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to understand yourself. You have to be very honest with yourself. Coming out of Bible school, I knew that if I tried anything on my own, I'll be finished. There were others who really believed in me. Did you offer you have wisdom? Did you offer you understand the Bible? Did you offer when you preach? Eh? Did you offer when you do this? Eh? Did you offer start something on your own? But me, I measured myself. I knew what was inside me. I knew my cup was not running over. I only had some few water in me. If I tried this journey, I will not finish it. My tank. My tank was not full. My tank was not full. I needed to keep someone, I needed to be around someone who can refuel me. Are you here with me? Have I established the first point? Have I established the first point? All the time, the first point I make is the, is the foundation for the entire sermon. So once you get it, you are there. Please note that you are like a seed. You have the potential to become a tree and bear more fruits and get more seeds and grow to become a forest so that birds can perch on you. Even if you can't become a forest, please, I beg you, become a tree. But a bird can perch on you. And please note that it is not every seed that must become a forest. You can become a tree on somebody's land and still have a very sweet fruit for others to appreciate. Number two, the process, the process, the process, the process. The growth of every seed is determined by a certain process. John 12, verse 24. Verily I tell you, unless a kernel of seed 
of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Oh, when I was in Bible school, I had a lot of dreams. Then here comes my spiritual father who just buried, uh, planted me. But that was a good soil. I'm telling you, he planted me. I still owe him up to now. I owe him appreciation. I owe him a lot of things up to now. Because many people were, had more potential than me. But when we left Bible school, where they went, they were rocky places. They didn't grow. Some fell in, in among tongues. They did not grow. Some fell by the roadside. But my spiritual father's church, he, he was not the, that kind of, he didn't have a sensational ministry. He, he is a missionary. But what I went there to learn, because I knew the type of seed I was, because I knew the type of seed I was, I knew that I, the type of land I was looking for. So I knew the land. He wasn't raising the dead. He wasn't giving prophecies. But I went there to study, had a reflection on my character, which I believe was crucial. And the process was not easy. The process was difficult. I had to die. I had to die to pride. I had to die. I had to die to my own personal dreams and visions. I had to die at one point. You had to let go yourself. You can't be a different seed on another man's land. You have to, you have, you have to, you have to be the seed he wants and go through the process. And when you are down there, when you are down there and you are dead, it's called the dormancy period. The dormancy period. Every seed goes through the dormancy period. That is where people even think that you are useless. That is where they don't even use you. That is why in the company, you are the one that nobody trusts and nobody respects and nobody values. You are going through your dormancy period. At one point in my spiritual father's church, I was known for giving closing prayers. That was my duty, closing prayer. Oh, yeah, 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 it was my duty, closing prayer. All the other pastors had a chance to preach. Mine, I was consistently doing closing prayer. One time I was not in church because my senior pastor sent me to represent him somewhere. And one sister met me during the midweek service. And then he said, oh, Pastor Gideon. You, you were not in church. I said, how, how did you know? I was happy that at least somebody noticed I was not in church. So in my mind, this is that cares so much that she noticed I was not in church. So I wanted to know, how did you know I wasn't in church? He said, because you didn't give closing prayer. My duty was a closing prayer pastor. A closing prayer pastor. And I was an expert in closing prayer. When I give the closing prayer, you will see that, yes, somebody has prayed. You will see, you will feel it. That closing prayer also is an assignment. At that time, I, I, I had a radio voice. They used to call me radio voice. My voice was deep and powerful. And I remember one brother coming and said, you, you, Pastor Gideon, when they give you small chance to do closing prayer, and then you spoil our speakers. We're using local speakers. I said, how do I spoil? So your voice is too deep. Your voice is too deep. Not that when you are giving closing prayer, Mellow your voice more. Mellow your voice more. Even closing prayer, people were criticizing me. Yeah. 
You know how sometimes you can be around a powerful man with some powerful men around him? Who, who don't, who don't, who don't, I, I, I am praying pastors here and I tell them, listen, you came to meet some people, they are not pastors. But they are powerful people around me. They will question you. They will talk to you as if you are nobody. Don't get worried, it happens. I say, I'm, I'm also around some powerful men of God. That's why the father carried the title of a bishop. Sometimes their protocol officers don't even regard me. I go there, I get down from my car, nice car, driven by Judah, nice gentleman, with a siren. Win, 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 win. I say, Judah, keep on blowing, let them know I'm coming. I get down, get down. You know, when I wear that, my heart, it changes everything. And I put on the hat, and then I turn it a little like this. Then I get there, and I tell, this is Bishop Titi Ofe. Yeah, we know. Sit down. <laughs> so I tell them, so, so when, you are, when, when you are going through that uh, planting process, you see, there are a lot of things. Your, your ego will be tested. Your, you, you, your, 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 nobody recognizes who you are and what you have. and what you, if you, you see, if you get angry because you are despised, you never realize your potential. Anytime I'm despised, I get hungry. I get hungrier to prove the people wrong. I want to do something to let them know that you will regret one day. I never get angry. I always get hungry. Are you here with me? So take your time. Go through the process. You will have your dormancy period and feel that nothing is happening to you. But please understand that this is a circle. It will go around. Sometimes you get to a point in your life where you feel that your dormancy period has kept too long. And by now you should be bearing fruit. Yes, 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 yes. But if you plant an olive seed, it can take 10 years before it starts bearing fruit. But when it bears fruit, it can last for 300 years. If you plant corn, if you plant corn in six months, it will start, you start harvesting. Three months, you start harvesting. But after you harvest, you cut the stock away. It doesn't last. Sometimes I feel the longer your ministry is, the longer your assignment on earth is, the longer your dormancy period. The longer your dormancy period. Sometimes you feel you have done enough and by now you should be spotted and nobody is spotting you. Nobody is spotting you. And you feel, why, why is nobody spotting me? I have done enough. I should be spotted and nobody is. It is okay to ask such questions but it is foolishness to give yourself wrong answers. When you ask questions, make sure you get the right answers. I've asked myself several questions, but I don't rush into conclusions. I take my time. I take my time. And I get there. Are you ready for the process? Are you ready for the process? Oh, I had people in my spiritual father's church who didn't ask pastor to my name. The two of her. Hey, Gideon. I remember preaching one day, what was I think 14 days fast, and I had a chance to preach. And I, I remember, I remember, because I got hungry that night. I didn't get angry, I got hungry. I, when I preached, I preached on where the Bible said, because the people had one language, um, it was difficult for them, so God had to. So I was talking on unity in the church, and I led a prayer. So this man who was to lead the next day was not a pastor but was a very divisive figure in the church. 
He picked the, this thing, the microphone, and said, um, yesterday, the guy, the guy who spoke, the guy, yeah, yeah, you, 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 the guy who spoke, I disagree with a lot of things you said. I truly disagree with a lot of things you said. Hey, and to see myself as a young pastor, 23 or something, and I wasn't allowed to preach, and now I was given the chance to lead prayer, and I tried my best to explain a scripture, and I thought I did well. I was looking for a feedback. This guy comes in and says, the guy who led the prayer yesterday, uh, the guy, the guy, the guy. <laughs> Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, one day I worked in a church, I worked in a church, I worked in a church where, where there was a board meeting of the church, and I was making a contribution, and one lady said, After you, when you talk like that, I get angry, then I get angry. Moba has small, 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 small boys. Like you came here, small, small boys, and then they just push you in the church, and then you become a pastor, and then you want to talk. But I've been a pastor several years before I went to that church. But this woman said, But I wasn't angry. I was hungry. I said, these people, one day, one day, one day they will look for me. If I one woman, one woman in one of the meetings, mommy had a friend who was sewing um, men's shirt. And I was very tiny, small. So mommy added that they put a little bit of shoulder pad, shoulder pad, to, to give me some broad chest. You know, apparently that woman spotted it. And then one day I said, when you came here, when you came here, you were wearing shoulder pad. Today you are wearing suit. You were wearing suit. And when we are talking, you are also talking. Hey, I was a pastor in the church. Oh. I said, Lord, what is this? But I didn't get angry. I got hungry. Today, all those people will thank God if they have access to sit before me. They will thank God if any of their children have gotten to where I have gotten to. They will be privileged for me to pray for their sons to become a tenth of what I have become. Because during the process, I bore no grudge. I got no angry. I got angry. Are you here? Do you understand? I'm showing you how you can multiply yourself. We are using the master seed. Now, place, place. The third is place. The third is place. The growth of the seed is determined by how fertile the land is. By how fertile the land is. Luke 8, 5 to 8. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. And the best ate it up. Some fell along on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Others fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still others fell on good soil, came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. Can I tell you something? <laughs> Can I tell you something? Your capacity to identify the right soil for your type of seed is crucial for your success. I told you a story of how in 1997 I've had a scholarship to study in Sweden and I've also gotten a job with a missionary organization in the UK. For the Swedish one, I even had my visa and everything ready. Then whilst I was waiting with a friend in Germany, 
and waiting the, the school was to open it's a few weeks after my complete my first course in Germany. So I was waiting. I called mommy. I'm going to Sweden. And this scholarship is better than the other one. This one, you can join me. So you and Kevin should get ready. Maybe I get to Sweden. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I told mommy, I'm praying also for an offer. That one is work. Missionary organization in the UK has offered me uh, a job. Whilst I was, I was praying about this, the Lord said to me in a clear voice, Everything I, I created had their own places of abundance. The fish will multiply in the sea and the plants will grow on land, will bear fruit on land. Europe is not your place of abundance. Go back to Ghana. I said, Lord, if Europe is not my place of abundance, why have you given me these miracles? Because these things that I have, they are miracles. How I got these jobs, they are miracles. I met Professor Roger Foster. I've been reading his book, The Radio Bible School. So small, small books I've been reading since I was a young man. And then I was sitting in the lecture hall, and the professor coming to teach us on apologetics was Roger Foster. I was just, I was awed. I was just sitting down. Wow, me, with this pet man. Then, guess what? Lunchtime, Roger Foster was in my group. Roger Foster sat on the table with us. Then asked me, so where are you from? Ghana. I said, I've been reading your books. I could even mention some of the titles I read as a young man. He took interest in me. By the afternoon, I was going to do my scrubbing in the kitchen. Here was somebody who said, Gideon, you are late. I turned around. Roger Foster was the team leader for those who are scrubbing in the kitchen. I was already grumbling. Why are these people asking me to... to um, scrap the kitchen. Don't they know that I'm a pastor? Didn't they read my application form? But this is a professor doing it. I was so humbled, so ashamed. I joined them in cleaning the place. Then Roger Foster said, so what are you going to do after school? I said, well, I'm weighing different options. I have um, spoken with a president who came to teach here from a, a university in um, Sweden who says he wants me to come. They have a scholarship for African pastors. And it's okay. So look at it. But I also want you to come to the UK to come and work with the Each House Christian Fellowship. We, whatever I guess there, somebody calls me and say, get your papers ready. Send us this, send us this. Let the school write something. We are getting everything ready for you. And then suddenly, this also comes in. And then God said, go back. I said, Father, but why would you give me these things and ask me to go back? I had no money. I had nothing. I had nothing. The last week in Bible school, I had to stand by, by, by the, the bathroom door and when my friends are getting, I say, can I get some shampoo? They were looking at me like this. Whoa, this guy doesn't have shampoo. He didn't have shampoo to even take my bath. I'm telling you, that was how deprived I had become. Now God says, come back home. And the Lord said, I said, why did you give me this then? He said, you always have to make a choice between something and my, and my command. Remember the Garden of Eden? They had to choose between my command and the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And they failed. Do you want to fail? He said, this scholarship is the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Make a choice. I chose to come down. For years, very difficult time for us. As if I had made a mistake. People make mockery of me. People laughed. People said all manner of things. But today, here I am. 
here I am. Here I am. I remember when the Lord asked us to buy this place. The amount of money we're going to invest here could buy us acres of land if we moved away from the Pispintas Road. And I was considering that. I could have put two types of this tent on large acres of land. I could have still used more money to be able to build a Bible school and get 200 Joshua's into a community outside here and start a church with 200 young people who are ready for ministry to do evangelism. I had my plan. I had everything drawn down. I had the money. I knew where I was going. I knew the lands were available. I was going to go there. The Lord comes into my room and says to me, I didn't ask you to go anywhere apart from the Sprinter's Road. If you move, you will mess up. Your ability to know that this is where God wants you to be is what will determine your growth. Your capacity to know and know beyond any shadow of doubt that this is my place of growth and my place of abundance and my good soil. This is what will grow you. For me, as a Christian... Whether you are working in the ministries or you are working in a, in a private sector or public sector or working for someone or working in the church, the most important question you want to ask yourself, did God put you here? What did you hear before coming in here? What did you hear before coming in here? What did you hear before coming in here? I've seen a lot of young pastors mess up their lives because they have no understanding of these things. May God open your eyes so that you will know your place of abundance. So that you will know why God put you in a certain place. We came here with nothing. Uncompleted building. Nothing. Nothing. But because this is our place of abundance, we have become like a tree. Planted by the rivers of living waters. You have become like a tree. Planted by the rivers of living waters. But you see. You see. You can still be on the good soil. And your attitude will not let you grow. Because God put mommy and I here. But we have went. We have labored. We have labored. We have labored. And I always thank God when I'm saying this that I have witnesses here. Mrs. Labby was there when we started our first service. She was there. She knew how, she knows how mommy and I have labored, have labored, have labored to get to where we have gotten to. Even though the soil is good, but we have to till the ground. And I'll show you something soon. I'll show you something soon. I've seen people with great potential. And yet, when God puts them at a place, you sometimes eh, when God puts you on a good soil and you decide not to focus on yourself and germinate gradually and grow gradually and you are focused on the big trees and what they have become and you allow the big trees to create envy in your heart, you are finished. You are finished. You are finished. Because we might all be on the same good soil, but I might be a pineapple. You may be an orange, 
You may be something else. You can't compare. You can't compare our fruits. We'll bear fruits in different seasons. I'll show you. I'll show you right now. I'll show you right now. Are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? And are you following the principles I'm sharing with you? If you want to grow, take these principles seriously and work at them and work at them. No, if we're next, it should be a conviction that you are there on assignment. God put you there on assignment. It is not a job. It's an assignment. All the people that became successful saw whatever they did as a calling. As a calling. As a calling. Hmm. Number four, plowing. The growth of a seed is determined by how you work your field. Proverbs 20 verse 4. Sluggers do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. Sometimes a good soil does not appear to be good. Because on the surface, you will find, you will find thorns. You will find things that can injure your seed. You have to plow it. You have to work on it. You have to break the fallow ground. You have to work and prepare it. When my social father's church offered me a good soil, but it didn't mean there were no thorns there. It didn't mean there were no challenges there. But I knew my field. I knew what they had given me. I knew I was supposed to be the youth pastor. And Pastor Kabu was in the youth at the time. Why is he here? Pastor Tete uh, here was in a men's fellowship at the time. Why are they with me? My impact leads on. I, I, I plowed my land. It wasn't a perfect church. Because there is no perfect church anywhere. There is no perfect organization anywhere. There is no perfect um, job anywhere. But when you believe God has put you here, till your land. Work your field. Work your field. I worked with other pastors in my spiritual father's church. They always had complaints. They always had complaints. I never complained. I was focused on that space they have given me and I was taking out all the tones and I was working out and I was working my field and I was working my field and I was working my field. Please, I am not here by chance. I am here by design. I am not here by default. I am here by design. I plowed my land. From a young age of 22, I became a pastor. I worked with the mindset of a matured man. I worked with the mindset of a work man. I didn't see myself as a young man with several years ahead of me. I did not. I would have been regretting today. I would have been looking back and said, all the opportunities I had, I, did, I, would, I messed it up. I didn't need my senior pastor to ask me, go and visit somebody before I did. I didn't need anybody to supervise me. I led myself. I led myself. I plowed my land. For instance, Accra Business School is not a perfect organization, but I have seen some of my staff plowing their land. They are not coming to me and say, Daddy, I didn't get this, so I didn't do this. Daddy, I didn't get this, so I didn't do this. Daddy, I didn't have the money, so I didn't do it. 
No, they, they are plowing. I've seen some of them plowing their lands. And I've seen some of them complaining about the tongues on the fields. I've seen. Present Place Church is not a perfect church. Anybody who walked in here as a perfect person, raise your hands. This is not a perfect church. We're not going to have a perfect women's fellowship. We're not going to have a perfect men's fellowship. We're not going to have a perfect choir. We're not going to have a perfect prayer warriors. We're not going to have perfect pastors. But please, plow your land. The problem you see in this church is the reason God put you here. The problem you see in your office is the reason God put you there. I have always loved plowing my lands. I even love me not being given. All I need is that the land should be fertile. Once it is fertile, it doesn't matter what is there. It doesn't matter what is there. I will clear it. I will work on it. When I was coming to Sprinters Road and the first time I visited Antibeki and saw all the estate houses, I assumed that there might be big hotels here with big conference rooms. Guess where I started the church? In an uncompleted classroom called the Bedford JSS. I wasn't disappointed because I was appointed to be here. Guess what I did? I plowed a land. Today, I stand before you as a testimony of God's grace, as a testimony of, of productivity, as a testimony that something that starts small has the capacity to become big. If you follow principles, life is about principles. Life, life is about principles. Life is about principles. When I see people go to church and do all manner of gymnastics and nothing is taught them and no values are taught them and no principles are taught them, I, it breaks my heart. I have seen people who have become disillusioned because they have been in church all their lives. They have received all the prophecies. They have done all the fastings. They have done all everything. The only thing they have not done that they have not added works to their faith because nobody has taught them how to work. Am I teaching someone here? Number five, period. Number five, period. I'm closing soon. Number five, period. The growth of every seed is determined by the right season. Mangoes have their season. Uh, pepper will also have their season. There are, there are seasons where some trees bear fruit and there are some seasons where they don't. You need to understand your, no matter how the potential you have as a seed, if you meet the season of planting, you will never realize your potential. That's why you must know. You must know where you are in life. You must know where you are in life. You must understand the seasons. You must understand the times. You must understand what God is doing. Please, even if you are working in a secular world as a Christian, you must work according to God's timetable. You must know where God wants you to be at every time. Some of my friends are trying to relocate. The people, when I was living in Europe, and called me and said, you are making the greatest mistake of your life. You are making the greatest mistake of your life. And now are telling me we should have followed you when you were coming. 
We should have listened to you when you were coming. They missed their season. They missed their season. They missed it. And I tell them, after 50, you want to come and pioneer a church? You will die. I say, after 50, you will get diabetes and die. There will be too much pressure on you. You will get hypertension. So what do we do? I say, hang, hang it there. Just hang it there and die there. Die there. I said, church is choked. Church is choked. I said, there are some young men with some energies. Who, who will be shouting? They have no anointing. But they are shouting that young people love it. The young people love their shouting and jumping over the walls and all those things. And they, they are introducing, because we are not in the revival season. The church has backslided. So because we are backsliding church, anybody can take a microphone, organize people, dance all day night, all day long, sing their worldly songs and turn them into gospel songs and do whatever they want to do and they pull the crowd. I said, you can do that. You can't scream the way they scream. But we are people. This generation is a screaming generation. You can't lie the way they lie. This generation have an itchy ear. The time you got born again, you are too much of a Christian. These people are not born again. They are born against. They are against the kingdom. They are born against. They are against the kingdom. They are against the kingdom. They are, they are not men of God. They are Satan's sons. They have taken over the pulpit. They are using um, public relation gimmicks to get young people, taking them out of churches. I tell them, this is not a good time to come to Ghana. Stay where you are. So know your season. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2. There is time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. Please, please, a time to... A time for everything. A time for everything. A time for everything. A time for everything. You must know. What says the time? What says your time? What says your time? You are either doing yesterday's things today, or doing today's things today, or doing tomorrow's things today. Please. Know exactly. When I'm, when I'm doing something, I know. When the Lord spoke to me, I was going to do something. The Lord said, wait till you are 60. I said, yes, Lord. The way you told you are 60, wait till you are 60. I want to do something with you by the time you are 60. And said, These are the things I want you to do from now till you are 60. Say, keep doing them. Number six, patience. The growth of every seed is determined by the capacity of the farmer to wait. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. I told the story of how I overheard my brother and his friends when we were young. was telling his friends he started secondary school and was doing agri-science. And was telling his friends, manure, um, how when you plant in the midst of manure it grows. And was telling his friends, especially where they throw refuse dump. And there was a refuge down site opposite our house. So the next day, I took a corn and planted it. And because my brother said it grows faster on the manure site, throughout the whole night, I was thinking about it. That by the next day, I'll go there, I'll harvest corn. The next day, I went there, nothing. I dug the ground to see whether my seed was still there. The seed was there. I looked at it. 
planted it again, covered it. The second day, I went there, nothing. I opened it, covered it, put it down there again. The third day, nothing. I called my brother. I said, brother, you lied to your friends. He said, why? I said, I've been planting this for three days. I go there every day to remove to see whether it is growing. It's not growing. He said, oh, Kofi, Kofi, that's not how you do it. You have to leave it for some time and be patient. It would have grown if you had been patient. Ah, how, how we rush in decision making. The least thing that puts pressure on us, we make decisions and we take decisions and we don't care about the effect of the decision. What you have to do is, I said, don't get angry, get hungry. Anger has never achieved anything good. Just keep on getting hungry. As you are waiting and everybody is going and everybody is saying, you are useless, we are going ahead, we are moving ahead, we are doing things and they are looking at you and despising you. Just say in your mind, just say in your mind, we are different fruits. We all have our season. It might not be my season yet, but my season will come. 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 Finally, Finally, my friends, finally, my friends, finally, my friends, is pruning, pruning. The growth of every seed is determined by pruning. John 15, verse 1, in the, in the English standard version, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You see, this is, this is one of the most important stages in your life. When, when your seed begins to grow, and you start having branches, and fruits begin to come. One branch, one branch may catch a disease. If you don't cut it off and lose that branch with its fruits, and you still want to have it all, you will lose all. Because that disease on that branch will move the other branch, and will move the other branch. At the time you realize the whole tree has disease, you have lost all the years of waiting is gone. Listen, one way to stay on track to productivity is to learn who must get out of your life. Is to identify, identify the diseased people around you. Every day of my life, I check the impact of people on my life, people of my, all my friends, their impact on my life. If it's not positive, you are finished. We were not born together. Our destinies are not tied to each other. Losing you will not finish my life. I want to leave this with you. At least if you can't do anything at all, assess your life. See who is impacting your life. Is it positive or negative? Because you have been through so many things. It is not at your harvest time that someone's disease will spoil your fruit. God bless you, and thank you for coming to church. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to speaking to you next week. The Lord bless you and keep you. Can we just lift our voice and thank God for tonight? Begin to pray a prayer.